This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Thursday, January 11th, 2024. I'm Caleb Brown. It's already well established that the feds want access to more of our financial data. A new provision of federal law has attached steep fines and jail time to anyone transacting large denominations in cryptocurrencies who then doesn't report to the IRS substantial details about that transaction within 15 days. Cato's Nick Anthony details what's at work. The Bank Secrecy Act was originally intended to track very large movements of cash to help the feds uncover criminal activity. Uh, The Patriot Act then added additional provisions that made it uh, a little more complicated to make large movements of money using the banking system. And now the Biden administration in a, in a piece of legislation passed last year, I believe in 20, well, we say last year, it's 2024 in 2022 legislation that was passed has a provision that has just come into force relating to the transfer of crypto. So what, uh, what are the provisions here and, and how does this complicate the use and movement of cryptocurrencies. Well, this was something that I don't think a lot of people realized was on the table, but it's what boils down to this amendment to section 6050I of the Internal Revenue Code that was in the Infrastructure Investment Jobs Act. And it requires anyone who makes a transaction in the course of a of business or trade of $10,000 or more in cryptocurrency to now report that to the IRS. And it's not exactly clear how they're supposed to do that, but there are very real consequences if you fail to do that in a timely and efficient manner. And so we're talking about somebody moving $10,000 in crypto or receiving $10,000 in cryptocurrency. Within 15 days, they must alert the feds and provide them information about the identities of the people who sent it to them and potentially facing years in prison and stiff fines if they fail to do this perfectly exactly i mean let me just let me just reiterate that because this is no small matter you have 15 days to report this to the IRS. And if you fail to do it within those 15 days, if you fail to get every last detail right, or you have a mistake in the report, you can face fines upwards of $25,000 or upwards of five years in prison. I, I just have to repeat that because this is not some small, uh, small ticket for making a mistake or something that you just pass off of. This is a very real uh, concern and a very real challenge to anyone who wants to use cryptocurrency, whether it's buying art or conducting business. So I'm trying to understand the rationale here. There are certain groups of people who don't want Americans to make use of cryptocurrencies. There are some people who want to use cryptocurrencies and the the data that moving crypto generates as a surveillance tool. 
And there are some people who just want to collect revenue and they want to prevent people from using crypto to avoid realizing income. I think that's spot on. That's Those are really the three camps we have here where this provision, along with the, the broker provision that we've talked about before, they were both put into the Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act to generate tax revenue. And I think those other two camps, though, really can't be understated because you're exactly right. There, are, We've seen in recent years, and we've talked about this as well, that there are many politicians that want increased surveillance over people's financial activity. And there's many that want to do anything they can to make cryptocurrency harder to use as an alternative. Careful listeners of the Cato Daily podcast will remember uh, that we talked about a crime known as structuring. This was in response to the Patriot Act provisions relating to this $10,000 movement of cash using the banking system, a trigger If you moved $10,000 or more, there are certain reporting requirements that your bank had to provide to the feds. And some people decided, hey, well, what if I did $9,995? Certainly the nice young man who is my teller at the bank would prefer not to do this kind of reporting. I would, it's no big deal for me to move multiple transactions in smaller amounts than $10,000. I can imagine the Fed saying, hey, now, if you're trying to move this crypto in order to avoid having to out the people who are providing it to you, uh, that itself is a crime. And that that sounds like something that the Feds would, uh, would relish the opportunity to undertake. You know, given the provision and the fact that we knew it was in the law for a while, presumably people have had commentary on what compliance actually looks like here. What does compliance look like? In a word, impossible. It really is a mess, to say the least. And that's why when this was first being drafted, first being debated, Many people were speaking out against the first half of the law with the broker provision that established that essentially everyone ends up being a broker. And then as that heated up, Abraham Sutherland identified this latter piece that was almost a bigger concern, this uh, reporting requirement that everyone has to report, even if it's between just two parties. And since then, He's been working with the Proof of Stake Alliance and also the folks over at Coin Center, and they've challenged this through the court system by suing the Department of the Treasury to say that this is not just an impossible standard, but also one that goes right into the face of the Constitution. So leaving aside just the notion that you and I are entitled to transact with one another without any intervention from the federal government. Does this further challenge what we know as the third party doctrine, the notion that the government is entitled to certain information just by virtue of you creating it? Well, that's one of the almost unbelievable pieces of this story is that I I know I don't have to 
tell your listeners that the third party doctrine is something that is long overdue for change. This idea that if you share information with a third party, that the government is automatically entitled to be able to view that. It's a completely ludicrous idea. But this actually goes further, where the third party doctrine says you involve a third party and you can't rely on them to protect your privacy. This is for transactions between just two people, just you and me. And it's saying that even though it's just a two-party transaction, the government needs to be involved. And that's why this is so, so overdue for a challenge, because this law existed in terms of cash use. The new feature is that they're updating it to include cryptocurrencies. And now Really, in a time when this should have been repealed and left behind, politicians have put it in the spotlight by updating it and bringing it back in our lives. And that's the wrong direction. Yeah, just by virtue of the fact that there is a receipt for a transaction, the government believes that it is entitled to view that receipt. Exactly. And that's not how this system should work. If we have any semblance of privacy or if we're going to have any semblance of privacy, there needs to be clear limits. And this just opens up the door to almost unlimited possibilities. So uh, we should recall, at least for people who say, well, I'm never going to transact $10,000 at a time in crypto. We should recall it wasn't very long ago. In fact, a few months ago that the Biden administration was asserting without a lot of statutory support that it could just say oh no if you've if you've engaged in $600 in transactions in a year using a cash app on your phone a ca- cash app being a proprietary app but a, a ca- an app that allows you to move money quickly between you and someone else that the government should be able to snoop on all of that a vast treasure trove of data whether it's you sold a couch, whether it's you paid a babysitter, you know, any number of things that you might do with, with an app like that, the government suddenly has this, was claiming the authority to have this power to snoop on that. So the, the notion that the feds have respect for your $10,000 transaction, this is for them, it at least appears a, a camel's nose under the tent, which is let's just get this started and we can shrink the amounts later. Sadly, you are spot on. It it goes the wrong way, almost in a guaranteed fashion, whether by legislated reforms, just like you said, where you lower it down to, to something minuscule like $600, or by inflation, where we've seen other reporting thresholds slowly eroded away because they're frozen in place, but then the real value has changed. And just for example, with another $10,000 reporting, with the currency transaction reports under the Bank Secrecy Act, that was $10,000 in uh, 1972, which I've pointed out before, you could buy two new Corvettes back then. Now, $10,000 is a much lower sum of money in real terms. And unfortunately, we're probably going to see that same thing occur here. Either, like you said, they'll lower the number manually or they'll let it happen through inflation. 
Nick Anthony is a policy analyst at the Cato Institute. Subscribe to and rate the Cato Daily Podcast anywhere you please. And thank you for listening. <laughs>